What is going on, Sandals Church Online family? Come on now, how you doing? It is so good to see you. Now, I know you're like, where are you, Pastor Jeff? You ain't in no studio. You're not at the church. Where are you at, man? I am on vacation. I am I, I'm off the grid. Uh, you can tell I'm off the grid because we are in the sticks. We're camping. Uh, that's not usually my ministry, but I decided to bless my wife and go camping. We're camping for a full week. I mean, I didn't do my hair. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to go. Uh, this is real, y'all. This is real. In fact, that's our vision to be real with yourself, God, and others. And so, uh, man, if you're brand new, if you're just checking us out, we would love to get to know you. We would love to say hello. You can find us by going to sandalschurch.com slash next and we will connect with you. Someone from the online campus team will connect with you. And if you have kids, my kids right now, they're watching Sandals Church Kids. Uh, they love it. Do you guys love Sandals Church Kids? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Unscripted. Hey, uh, you can go to kids.sandalschurch.tv and as let us help you lead your kids as they follow Jesus Christ. I want you to know the reason why I'm doing this is because literally yesterday, my wife and I, we watched service together. Even though we were gone, we watched service. We were we, we were engaged with worship. We were watching Pastor Matt. We were listening to the message. And it doesn't matter where you are. You can be anywhere. You can be on vacation. I know some of you got some you got some vacation days ahead of you. And, and you got a plan. You got a trip. You're going to the beach. You're going to the mountains. You're going somewhere. You're going to visit family. Or maybe obviously your kids are off. From school possibly wherever you go we want to be with you so we want to stay with you as you go on vacation as you as, as you leave the church as you leave uh, uh, your home and maybe you watch online but you can watch online at any time if that is you go to sandalchurch.com slash watch no matter where you are you can hang out with us we want to be with you hey stay with us this summer okay Hey, we're going to jump into some powerful, awesome worship. So no matter where you are, come on, lift those hands because we're connected by the Spirit. And let's worship the Lord together. Come on now. Let's see where I'm going to go now.
Hello and welcome to Sandals Church. My name is Vivi Diaz and we are so glad that you're here today because we love to live out our vision of being real with ourselves, God, and others. And so if you're joining us from maybe a different spot, a different city, state, maybe even continent, or one of our Sandals Church Anywhere locations, first, I wanna say welcome, but second, it means that you belong here and that we would love to get to know you. But a little bit about kind of what I do in youth here at Sandals Church is that I help oversee youth at Sandals Church at all of our different campuses. And so if you have a teenager, or maybe you're a teenager watching, or you know somebody, I want you to lean in for just a few seconds because I wanna tell you that we've got a ton of content, messages, videos, things for you to really understand what does this vision of being real look like for teenagers today? And so we're so glad you're watching right now, but after the message, I'd love to encourage you and invite you to check out our Sandals Church Youth YouTube channel. And you can find that at move.sc slash youth because we are crazy about this vision of being real and what it looks like in our lives. And you know, today we are starting off a whole new part in our series, When in Rome, because we spent the first part of the year really looking at what do we believe as followers of Jesus in a culture that just doesn't. And so today we're starting off with how do we live as followers of Jesus in a culture that doesn't. And what I love about Sandals Church is that one of the best ways to find out your best next steps to follow Jesus and what it looks like for you here watching today is by checking out the growth path on our Sandals Church app to make sure you can check out maybe what does God want you to do? What's your best next step? And so right now, let's go ahead and get ready for the message as we hear from our lead pastor, Matt Brown, and hear what maybe God has for you today. Hi guys, welcome to Sandals Church. So glad you are here today with me as we have been going through this series now. Can you believe this since January? I mean, we started this thing in January and we've been plowing through some of the most difficult, complex theological issues in the entire Bible and we made it. We made it and we're here. We're here at Romans chapter 12, verse one. And so what we've been studying for months now is what do we believe? What do we believe? What do we believe? And for the rest of the summer, we're gonna talk about how we live, how we live, how we live. So, so listen to me, if what you believe about heaven doesn't change how you live on earth, then you don't really believe anything about heaven. And so what we wanna talk about in the next couple of weeks this summer, and I know a lot of you are on vacation and you're all over the place, you need to understand God hasn't just called me to heaven with him but he's called me to bring some heaven down here on earth. And we need some of that, amen. We need some more heaven here. So we're gonna look today at one of the most famous scriptures in the entire Bible. It's one of the first verses I memorized as a young Christian. And if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to memorize this. It's in Romans 12, verses one through two. And we're only gonna look at these two verses in the entire message. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Underline this, especially if you don't like to sing, this is your true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, 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 right, that's a big word. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Think about that. God wants to download his mind to your mind. He wants to download his life to your life. But in order to do that, we have to understand how do I live the Christian life? So for the first 12 chapters, we've been talking about what do I believe? What do I believe? What, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about the church? What do I believe about me? And now I have to wrestle with for the next remaining chapters of the book of Romans, how do I have to live? How do I live as a husband? How, how do I live as a wife? How do I live as a son or a daughter? How do I live as a friend? How do I live as a brother? You see, if the Christian life doesn't affect you and change you, then you have to ask, is it in me? Am I a Christian? If I'm not changed by the risen Christ, have I met the risen Christ? So let me talk to you what I think about a lot, why so many Christians miss the Christian life. The Christian life is lived in response to a couple of things. So understand this, God is always the mover. You didn't find God, God found you, right? God wasn't lost, you were lost, okay? God wasn't confused, you were confused. God's not a sinner, you're a sinner. So God moves, we respond. God always moves and then waits for our response. So the Christian life is lived in a response, number one, to the mercy of God. Now think about that. Right now, you are living in response to something. We're all living in response to, to people around us. We're, we're living in response to, to what someone has done to us. We all live as responders every day. As Christians, we're called to live in response to what God has done. He's done something for us, and so we live according to him. So Romans 12, 1, therefore, okay, that word is a huge word. What it means is all the previous 11 chapters are all about God. And because of what you know about God, because of what you've studied about God, because of what you've learned about God in this series, therefore, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. See, we have to live thinking about God. What has God done for me? What has he done for me? And that's how I live as a husband, as a wife, as a brother, as a sister, as a boss, as an employee. And as an employee. I live reminding myself of what God's, God, what God's done for me. And I, I live with that in view because, man, it's real easy to get a lot of th other things in view that cloud God right out of your life. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Not because you deserved it, but because God is merciful. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, because Jesus lives, the old song says, I can face tomorrow. I can face tomorrow. I, I, can, I can be the wife I need to be, the mom I need to be, the husband I need to be, the brother I need to be, the friend I need to be, because he lives. Because of what he overcame, I can overcome today. And we need to live like that and think like that. Now, here's the thing. If you're a parent, you need to understand, when your kids are going to school today, I wish it was about reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? They didn't do that well, so they've moved on to other things, okay? So, and if you're an educator, I love you. Feel free to tithe. It's okay, it's okay. I know many of our educators are just as frustrated as what's coming down the political pipeline as I am. So bless you, I know your hands are tied. But here, here's the bottom line is, all religions and systems, their sole goal is to teach you how to live. 
That's what they're trying to do. We're not trying to educate children anymore how to think. We're educating them on how to live. All religions do this. All philosophies do this. All political parties do this. Every single organization, whether religious or secular, on earth, its goal is to teach you how to live. So what's the difference of Christianity and everything else? It's Romans 12, verse one. Every other religion, every other philosophy tells you how. Only Jesus can tell you why. Only he can tell you why. Why should you live different? Why? I mean, if atheists are right and we're all animals, why do you care when something bad happens to someone else? When something bad happens to, you know, a person who lives somewhere else? I remember when Tammy and I were in safari in Africa, okay? The ugliest animal in Africa. I don't care if you love them, that you have issues. It's the hyena. There's nothing uglier or more satanic than the hyena. Okay, and if you, haven't, if you haven't seen one, watch Lion King and you'll understand. They're evil things. But when we were on safari in Africa, you know what we saw? We saw a baby hyena. I know that you can call them babies, you know, little monster hyena. And I asked our guide, I said, what happened? And he said, I don't know. It got separated from its mother. I said, what will happen to the baby hyena? He said, it will die. Nobody got out to help the little baby hyena. And maybe it's because they're little Satan's children. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what he said? He said, that's the way of the wild. Things die out here. And let me tell you something. If atheism is correct, and we're all just animals on this rock floating through space with no reason, why, why, why be good? Why, why care about how others feel? Why isn't your neighbor, why is your neighbor any more valuable than that little hyena? You see, Christianity tells you why. It tells you why. Because you and your neighbor are created in the image of God. You're like, well, they're a jerk. They're a hyena. Yes, they're a sinner separated from God in desperate need of reconciliation with God Almighty. It tells you why. Even though you can't see the value, it's why our world aborts children. Oh, it's just a fetus. And if atheism is correct, that's true. It's just a fetus. But if God's correct, oh, I knew you in your mother's womb when you were being formed in the darkness. You see, it tells us why the fetus matters. It tells us why, because that's a little baby created in the image and likeness of God. And it's worthy of being saved and loved and giving the opportunity to live. You see, all of us right now in this room and watching, we are all living in response to something. We're all responders rushing to the scene of our accident we call life. Like I woke up this morning, just like many of you, and instead of reading my Bible, I, I opened my phone and looked on the news. Anybody do that as a mistake? Oh my gosh, stop that. And I just looked at my wife and ruined her day. She was trying to read her Bible. I was like, oh, an apartment complex collapsed in Miami. Enjoy your time with God. What do you think she did? Stop reading her Bible, looked at her phone. Oh my gosh. You see, constantly we're rushing in response to something. And for many of us, it's the newest, latest, terrible thing that's happened online to people you don't know and to people you'll never meet. And so we ignore the God we're supposed to know and the God that every single one of us will meet one day. All of us are living in response to something. We're all responders. The question is, what are you responding to? Most of us, we respond to how we've been treated, amen? 
Now, I got to tell you, I'm going I'm to confess this to you. I had an interaction with a neighbor this week that was, let's just say, somewhat negative. But I got to be honest with you, I was very Christ-like for about five minutes. It was, I was like Jesus Christ himself on earth for about five minutes. I apologized. I said I was sorry. I said he was right. I said I would do everything that I could to make it happen. I was trying to meet his demands instantaneously, but it wasn't good enough for him. And he just kept coming at me, coming at me. And the point where I think I lost it was somewhere when he said something like this, and you call yourself a pastor. And I was like, woohoo, not anymore. <laughs> and it wasn't just me. I look over at my five foot two assistant and she's up in his face. You're not a very nice person. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. And right when I was about ready to lose it, I mean, I haven't punched anybody in, in decades. I was about ready to break my streak. One of my friends, whoop, right in front of me. Okay, pastor, you've had your run. Wouldn't that be nice if we just all had security that followed us around and right when you were no, more, no longer like Jesus, they're like, okay, it's, let's call it a day. Let's call it a day. But you know why I gave myself permission to get rude? Why I gave myself permission to get mad? Why I gave myself permission to get in his face? Because I was responding to him and not to God. I started off responding to God. I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, let's help this sinner together. And then I was like, Lord Jesus, I'm just gonna send them straight to you because I've done all I can do. <laughs> We're all responding to something. Jesus said, remember him? So in everything, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. It's called the golden rule for a reason. It's priceless. It's priceless. Part of the reason we teach our kids in school all this crap is because we forgot the golden rule. You see, if you treat others the way you want to be treated, does their sexuality matter? No. Does their race or ethnicity matter? No. Does their gender matter? No. What matters is that you live in response to God's mercy in your life. And you treat them not in response to how they've treated you or how you've been treated. You treat them in response to the mercy you, re you have received from God. And that's what we need to do. And let me tell you something, Christians, when we start living like this, people are gonna return to Christ. But so many of you are marching in the name of politics and you need to get on your knees and praise to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me live out this one rule. Help me live this out. Now, I'm not minimizing what's happened to you. Some of you have had awful, terrible, painful things happen to you. You've been betrayed, you've been lied to. You've been left alone, left for dead, right? I can't imagine what that felt like. But let me just say this. You become however it is that you choose to respond. If you respond like Jesus, you're becoming like Jesus. If you respond like the devil, you will become the devil. All of us are living in response to something. But here's the thing that I've learned. Many of us, we're not responding to what has happened. We are responding to how we are afraid, you know, we're gonna be treated. We're not responding to what has happened. We're afraid, we're responding to, to being, you know, to what we're afraid of might happen or could happen. 
I mean, if you're married, take notes. This is free. Tie double on this. Sometimes the fight you're having now isn't about now. It's about something that happened in the past. It's amazing, man. My wife and I, we can go on vacation. We can have a great week. She does one thing wrong. I have, I have this library of offenses, okay? You know, if you ask me my kid's phone number, I couldn't tell it to you. You know, Siri, call, you know, that's, that's, that's their number. I don't know their number, but I have this catalog of offenses that have occurred over 25 years of marriage, and they're just waiting there. And the devil, my personal assistant, he stores them for me. So we have one fight, one little thing goes wrong, and I don't respond to what's happening. I go, ha, 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 yes. See all these artifacts behind me? These are your sins, and I've been saving them for this moment right now. And all of a sudden, the fight goes what? Boom. And so many of you guys, when you respond to my sermon, I mean, let's hypothetically, you respond to my sermon negatively so many times, what you heard is, what you were afraid I was saying. You respond in fear rather than in Christ. Listen to me, as Christians, we live in response to God, not in response to others. Because if you let everyone else be the reasons for how you respond or how you live, you're gonna live a horrible life. I mean, you know what my kids used to say? Well, she hit me first. And that gave you permission to hit her? Well, they threw the rock first, so that gave you permission to throw a rock back? And so many of us are living like immature children and we're responding to the morons, God bless them, around us. And so you drive like a crazy person in response to the crazy person that just cut you off. And who does that help? We live in response to the mercy of God. Lamentations, the most depressing, awful, terrible book in the Bible. Some of you have never read it. You're not ready. That's the deep end of the pool. And I've told you many times, I think we need to name it, oh crap, because I think more people would read it. Lamentations is a book where the people of God go, oh crap, man, I think I, maybe it's us. Maybe it's not God. I was talking with someone in our church this week who's going through some hardships, some difficulties, and she said, I don't know why God is always doing this to me. I was like, wow. You think God is responsible for all your terrible, awful, no good, very bad decisions? Lamentations 3.22 and 23 says this, listen to me. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases it's greater than your stupidity and mine. It outlasts our unfaithfulness. Some of you skip church, God never skips out on you. Listen to this, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Can I just ask you a question? If God's mercy is new for you every morning, why couldn't you let it be new for someone who's offended you today? Because let me tell you what mercy is. Mercy is not what you deserve. Mercy is not saying what you did was okay. Mercy is just mercy. And let me ask you, some of you have never thought about this. Just because you've repented and just because you've believed does not mean God owes you salvation. 
What it means is he gave you salvation. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. We don't deserve anything. We are living in response to the mercy of God. Next, we live in response to the calling of God. Think about all the voices every single day that are in your head. On my way here to the studio to preach this message to you, I had to turn off talk radio. I was like, this guy's getting in my ear. And I normally like this guy. I've actually met this guy. I met him before he became famous. And he's just, rat, 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 rat. and I was like, you know what? This is not putting me in the right mind. His voice is clouding God's voice. And let me say this. He's a guy I usually agree with politically, but he's not God's voice. And some of you constantly are listening to political voices and you are drowning out the voice of God. God has a calling. We are constantly living in response. Do you know what social media is? It's a voice. It's a voice. Do you know what books are? They're a voice. Do you know what television programs are? They're a voice. Do you know what educational system is now? It's a voice. Do you know what the political system is? It's a voice. Do you know what your friends are? They're a voice. And all of these voices are drowning out the calling of God in so many of your lives. And some of you, you need to learn to turn down the volume of the world and turn up the volume of God and say, God, I need to hear you today. We live in response to the calling of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, here's the call to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. I wanna to talk to you about the call of God versus the call of the wild. So many young people, right? I wanna get in tune with nature. Nature hates you. You see, we've forgotten. We've forgotten in your air-conditioned room. I just want to be one with nature. <laughs> Let me ask you, if nature's so good, why do mosquitoes want in? <laughs> My own dog. I open the door. Go out and play. She's like, it's air-conditioned in here. She, my dog doesn't even want to go in the wild. We got college-educated young people today. I just want to be one with nature and die quickly. Nature hates you. God loves you. But so many people today, they say, well, you know, I just, I just, I just want to live one with Mother Earth. No, no, no. You want to live one with Father God. Two totally different parents. One died for you, the other wants to kill you. So what is the call of God? It's to become like Jesus. What's the call of the wild? It's to become like an animal. And what's happening in our world today? More and more young people, because they've not heard the call of God, are hearing the call of the wild, and they are becoming less and less like Jesus and more and more like dogs. I offer you, brothers and sisters, I, 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 I beg you, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your body as a living sacrifice. And so many churches today say, well, God would never give you desires he didn't expect you to act on. Let me just be very frank with you. Your desires and God's desires are very rarely the same. And you need to listen to me because it's your soul that's at stake. And not just your soul, but your life. Your life. Years and years ago, when we had so many young people at Sandals Church, 
fighting in Afghanistan and fighting in Iraq. I counseled many of them. Some of them didn't come home. Some of them I, I buried in the ground and hugged young wives and held little children. But so many of the young men that came back from those battles had PTSD. And here's the thing you guys need to know. PTSD is often thought to happen to you when something's done to you. And, it, and that's true. But the worst cases that I dealt with at our church were not because of what someone else had done to them, but it was because they became very aware of what they were capable of doing. What war did in them is it awoke the animal that was not dead, but that was just asleep. And some of you, unfortunately, in life, you've stumbled into sin. And all of a sudden, you have become very aware of the animal in you. Let me tell you what a living sacrifice is. You see, a sacrifice in the Old Testament is where you put the lamb on the altar. You put the goat on the altar. If you were poor, you put a pigeon. If you were rich and it was a holiday, you killed the cow. But listen to me, some of you have missed this. It's always an animal that dies. Romans 12, one and two, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your body up as a living sacrifice. What we kill is not a goat. What we kill is not a lamb. What we kill is not a cow. What we kill is the animal in us. Because that animal will not only keep you out of heaven, that animal will put you in hell on earth. Just last week, man, we had a beautiful wedding. It was incredible. At the end of the night, Tammy and I were just reflecting on the beauty of the night. We were reflecting on, on just a lifetime of being, you know, Kennedy's mom and dad. And my wife says, where's the dog? Where's the dog? And I was like, I forgot we had a dog. You know, it's a wedding. So I go out and I'm looking for my dog. I can't find my dog anywhere. And she's not responding. It's amazing. I love my dog and she's a good dog. And she listens to me until her instincts kick in. And listen to me, guess when dogs don't listen? When their instinct to mate kicks in, they don't listen. When their instinct to fight, they don't listen. My dog will soon bite me as the dog it's fighting. And when she finds some garbage, Guess where I found my dog? Face down in the garbage, belly swollen three times the size of her body, chowing down. And I said, Reese, what are you doing? Like she speaks English. She just looked at me, walked in our house with all the shame and that a dog feels. I can't imagine what's going through her brain, but I'm sure it's something like this. You act like I have a choice. I'm a dog. There were donuts in that bag. Some of you can't, you can't turn away from donuts. You're all Dunkin' Donuts. The animal's alive. She was so sick for days. For days. Puked all over her brand new bed we bought her. Sick. Sicker than a dog. And you know why? She gave in to her animal instincts. And so many of you are saying, God, why did you do this to me? God said, I have not called you to be an animal. I've called you to be an angel. Yes. 
and you got your face nose first in the trash, living like a dog, wondering why God isn't blessing your life. Here's what you do, you pull your head out of the trash. You say, God, I'm no longer gonna live for my desires. My life is no longer gonna be like an animal that lives for sexual impulse, that lives to protect itself in response to threat and lives to feed myself until I die. And some of you are like, well, I don't live like that. Really, how many rolls of toilet paper you still got in your house? In my house, we can poop till Jesus comes. I trip over toilet paper to get into my house. Toilet paper, paper towels. Remember, they're not, they're not making enough of that anymore. Gotta get it before my neighbor. You see, we are all living in response to something. But unfortunately, very few of us are living in response to God. God's mercy and God's call. God is calling you right now to stop living like a dog and to start living like him. Next, we live in response to the thoughts of God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, listen to this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to change your mind. God wants to change the way you think. Then, then, and only then, only after God changes your mind. Think about how hard that is to do. Then and only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will, his good and pleasing perfect will really is. You see, God changes me, listen to this, by changing my patterns. Isn't, isn't it sad how quickly Instagram knows you? Isn't it amazing? I mean, have any of you ever like, oh my gosh, you're like, you were thinking about it and it's on your phone. It's creepy. Some computer knows you better than you know yourself. And you know why that is? Because you live in a patterned life. And what the computer knows is, if you live in this pattern, you might like this pattern, you might like that pattern. And it's making guesses and you're like, wow, I didn't know I needed that. And for some of you, listen to me, you need to know Google's algorithm knows more about you than you know about yourself. Human, human beings live a very patterned life. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. The world is trying to squeeze you into its mold. God wants to rebrand you into his mold and his name is Jesus. But listen, my patterns change when God changes my thoughts. Isaiah 55, eight through nine, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. They're not your thoughts. Like one of the things that drives me crazy with our current media is they find random guy on the street. What do you think the government should do? I'm like, I don't care. Who's that guy? Does he have a job? Has he ever had a job? Is he gonna get a job? Why are you asking that guy? Maybe ask somebody smart. Maybe ask somebody with a job. Maybe ask somebody with a plan. Maybe ask somebody who's lived out a plan. God says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God doesn't think like you. And some of you have really, really bad ideas about God's thoughts. 
And you're like, well, I've always thought, and God's like, I don't care. I want you to start being concerned with what I think God says. Listen, when I invite God to change my mind, God will change my view of a couple of things. The most important thing is what is good? What is good? Many of you have wrong thinking about God and you have wrong thinking about what is good. God wants to change that. You have the wrong ideas about God. This week, I decided to, to break it up and do something a little different. I was preaching on patterns. I was like, I'm gonna break my pattern. I'm gonna go get my car washed. I should have checked the weather app before. Because right when I came out to get my car detailed, literally, heavens fell on Riverside. Literally spent 90 bucks getting my car detailed. As I'm driving away, I could see all the car people laughing. Look at that guy, ah. But as I was in the car wash, I had my headphones on. I'm cranking away at this God-inspired sermon that's gonna change your life. And I can always tell when people like, like figure out it's me. And I never know. See, when people see me, they think I'm one of two people. One, Matt Brown. Number two, does anybody know? Kevin Bacon. Both of those happened this week. Pick my card up from Ford. And he says, how many times do people say it? And I'm like, say what? Because I don't know. I got a 50-50 shot. And he goes, that you look like Kevin Bacon? Some of you are too young to know who that is. But I see this, this woman walks by me and I'm cranking. You know, you know when you're supposed to be focusing, but you have ADD and that means you never focus? So I'm like focusing and I just, I see, I see this like strange pause. And then I kind of, you know when you, you try to look but not look because you don't want to get caught looking? Is that, we all do that. Because the most awkward thing is like when you look and you both look at each other at the same time. Well, I'm a looker. So I looked, I looked and I, I could see her and she's looking at someone and she's going like this. To me, she's motioning to me. So I take my headphones off and I said, well, they either think I'm Kevin Bacon or they go to Sandals Church. So I take my headphones off and I go, hey. And the dude is just standing there like he saw a ghost. And Javier, if this is not your recollection of the event, it is mine. So he goes, wow, I can't believe it's you. I'm like, it's me. He goes, man, you're so different. And I'm like, looking, he's like, no, so different. Because when you preach, man, you're like all over the place and you're so mellow right now. So I don't know if you guys watching, you think I'm always like this. Okay, if I was always like this, I'd be divorced. My wife, she'd be like, yeah, we're done. Is he on crack? Nope, that's just him. I, I, I literally would destroy myself. Can you imagine if I'm just always, hey, how's it going? All right, yeah. Woo. And then I, I think I just would fall over and die. I can't live this amped. I mean, Red Bulls and monsters can't create this. He's like, you're so different. You know what he said? You're so different from what I thought. You see, there's a difference between watching and hearing somebody and then actually meeting them. God doesn't just want you to watch, church. He doesn't just want you to listen. He actually would like a meeting where you meet him. And you're like, wow, I didn't know, I didn't know God was like that. God says, yeah, my thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your ways. Thus saith the Lord. And so many of you, you run around and you have these ideas about God. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. 
and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. I meet people all the time and they say, well, I think people should be able to live however they want. Great, that's great, that's awesome. Who are you again? Are we gonna be reading your book 2,000 years from now? No, no. Like, I love you, but you're not that important. You don't matter that much. And some of you run around, well, I've always thought no one cares. <laughs> what we care about at this church is what, what does God think? What does God think? Because I think we're doing really good in our society at getting everybody's thoughts. And if you don't believe me, get on Twitter, get on Facebook. People are just, you know, pouring out their thoughts, man. I, do you think anybody anymore goes, should I post this? I don't think anybody asks that question anymore. <laughs> I think people just let it fly, man. I want to give the guy a piece of my mind. But listen, God's not only going to change my view of what's good, God's gonna change my view of what's pleasing to him. You can't fulfill your desires and God's desires at the same time. One is animal and one is godly. One is the call of God and the other is the call of the wild. And unfortunately for you, the church has been overrun with pastors, teachers, and Christian educators today who excuse the call of the wild. Listen to me. Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter two, and the earth was null and void. Terrible translation. Not based at all upon Hebrew thought, based upon a Greco-Roman worldview. The world was not null and void. The word is tohu wabohu. It means wild. Not suitable for man. And so God began to move on the earth, gathering things together to create a garden where you could be safe. Why? There might have been a T-Rex. And I know you got big biceps, I see you at the gym, but the T-Rex don't care. It's gonna floss his tooth with your bicep. So God created a safe place. But in that safe place, Adam and Eve had to live according to God's will. Because that's the safest place for your soul to be. God wants to change how you see that you please God. I, you know what's wrong with so many of us? We run around asking, and let me just retranslate. I think I deserve to be happy. Here's what you really mean. I deserve to please myself whenever and however I want. That's what you mean. I should be able to unleash my animal instincts whenever and however I want. But God said, I did not create you to be an animal. I created you in my image and I've called you to reflect me. And then God will change ultimately what you think is perfect. My wife and I were reflecting after the wedding and I've done, I don't know, I don't know how many weddings I've done. I've quit counting. Um, not that your wedding, if I did yours, it was awesome and incredible, life-changing moment for me. <laughs> but everybody else's wedding, I, it's a big blur. 
But you know, I think brides, right? They want that perfect day. Well, it's not just brides. It's fathers of the bride. It's mothers of the bride. And you know, all we did the day after the wedding was we talked about everything that went wrong. And I think the reason for that is Tammy and I, as much as we love Jesus, we still have the wrong view of perfect. And let me tell you something, if you have the wrong view of perfect, you're never gonna, ex you're never gonna experience perfect. You know what's perfect about life? Knowing and loving God and living for him. And the reason I'm so proud of my kid and her husband is that's what they're trying to do. That's as close to perfection as any of us will ever get. So let me ask you this question. The only way you can really change is if you invite God to change you. That's it. Otherwise, you're gonna be stuck and compressed in this pattern. The world, listen to me, the world will not let you out. In the name of diversity, what we're really experiencing is conformity. They're squeezing you into their pattern. One of my good friends, I met him in high school for the first time. He was in English as a second language student. He couldn't speak a word of English. But you know what he told his parents? He said, I cannot be who God's called me to be in Japan. He said this as a 16 year old, I have to leave Japan so I can become everything that God has called me to be. So his parents left Japan because the pattern of Japanese thinking, the pattern of Japanese culture was more restrictive than what their son was called to. Can you imagine that parents? You're not just gonna leave your city. You're not just gonna leave your jobs. You're gonna leave your, you're gonna leave your country. And he moved to California, he came to my high school because my high school was the only high school in the 80s with an English as a second language program. Listen to me, my friend's name is Taro. He's one of the wealthiest men I know today. He owns the best sushi restaurants I've ever been to in my life. It's called Makuni's. If you're in the Bay Area, Sacramento, San Jose, go to it. You will never taste sushi like this in your life. Do you know what Makuni's means in Japanese? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And he lives to make God famous. Are you ready to escape the pattern of this world and become who God's called you to be? Lang don't let language, don't let culture hold you back from the call of God. But God will only really change you if you invite Jesus to change you. I'm gonna close with this verse and I want you to think about this. If you're tired of this world, if you're tired of this, this news media cycle that's never ending, depressing and discouraging, Listen to Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now listen to these words. Take my yoke upon you. You see, a yoke is what is placed on the animal's back. The same animal that Jews would use to sacrifice. A powerful animal. If left alone, simply filled its belly. If used in the hands of a master was a powerful tool that changed the world. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Here's what he's saying. Let me put something over your animal nature and then come learn from me and let me teach you. Why? Because I am gentle and humble at heart. Jesus is saying, I'm not like the world. And then, and then 
you will find rest for your souls. Are you ready today to say, Jesus, I'm tired of this yoke I'm carrying. I'm tired of this burden. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready to keep fighting in my marriage. I'm, I'm ready to quit fighting with my kids. I'm ready to quit fighting at work, fighting for America, fighting for equity or equality or whatever it is that you're fighting for. And I'm ready to submit to your yoke. And I'm ready to become the person you've called me to. And I'm ready to experience the version of Makunis that you have for me. I'm ready to serve in the kingdom of God. If you are, would you bow your head with me right now and let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, in response to what you have done for us, in response to your mercy, in response to your calling, Lord, in response to Jesus, we say right now, whatever it is that we're fighting you with, we just submit to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you take the yoke that this world has on the back of our neck and we ask that you replace it with your, your, your yoke. And God, I pray that we would become everything that you've meant us to be. We pray this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to wreak havoc on our hearts and to unleash us to become what Jesus is calling to. We pray this in his name. Amen. As Pastor Matt mentioned in his message, that God has a life for us to live, not just believe, but to actually live. And so as we go into the summer, we know that summer gets hectic for a lot of us, but I want to encourage you to stay connected with us here at Sandals Church online to continue to see what God has for you this summer because this summer is gonna be an incredible time to learn together what it looks like to actually live out and follow Jesus. And you know, one of the best ways that we've got set up here at Sandals Church for you here today, not just us as believers or us as the church, but you here joining us all summer long is by going to the Growth Path on our Sandals Church app to see what your best next steps are in following Jesus. And you know, one of the next steps on there is connecting with people in groups. And man, it's an incredible way that we've seen God move through this vision. And so right now, I actually wanna share with you a story about someone who this has impacted greatly. And so this is Carol. Carol is part of our Sandals Church online Facebook group. And she shared that I had joined a small group years ago with amazing women who have now become close friends, sisters in Christ, and have been there for me and I for them in times of tears and laughter as well. My group has enhanced my life and strengthened my faith. Man, I love that. And I love that story because I know that that is one of many stories happening all across the world through what God is doing through the vision of being real with ourselves, God, and others. And so when we go into this time of giving, first, I wanna say thank you to those of you that give, but also I wanna remind you that when you give, your giving is what helps people like Carol be resourced and know how to start and lead groups here at Sandals Church. And so I'd love to invite you today to be a part of giving. You can give at any time by going to give.sc or by giving in the app. And so this week, as you guys go on and this summer, man, our hope and prayer is that you continue to live out what it means to follow Jesus and that you remember to be real with yourselves, God, and others.